Olsen fakes it for pass in zone. Yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello and welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your end of the preseason slash preview of week one edition. This is Brian joined by John as always. John, how are you doing? What's up? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm good. I'm about to go on vacation to uh, Saturday. It's going to be great. Going to be driving two hours to get to an eight o'clock flight. So it's going to be fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun waking up for a long drive to get on a plane. Yeah, especially on Labor Day weekend when it's going to be chaos. So it is is one of the underrated things about living in Charlotte because Charlotte's an American Airlines hub. Yep. And uh, so there are direct flights to like pretty much everywhere. And yeah, within nice. like a like within a close enough distance that like people are like, yeah, I can drop you off at the airport. That's so nice. It is nice. Yeah. <clears throat> but are you gonna be back in time for week one to watch it? I will be. I will be back the day before, so I'll be really depressed probably while I'm watching. Hopefully, Baker Mayfield <laughs> destroy the Browns. That would be nice. It'll pick me up after the come down of getting back from vacation and being realizing again that this is what your actual life is. Yeah, this is actual. This is real life. Nothing matters. <laughs> Time is a human construct. Are memories even real memories, or is it just stuff that's programmed into me by the government? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, the Panthers played a preseason game against the Bills, and they shut them out. So that was pretty cool. Shutouts um, are always good. good yeah, for the for the morale. If nothing yeah, else. good for the morale. I mean, I mean, it's. I think it's a big deal for the defense, even if it's like, even though like, if the game doesn't really matter, I think I do think it's a big deal for the defense because back when I was in playing in high school, even like, you know, those games where the starting offense puts up 35 by like the second, the beginning of or the middle of the second quarter and they start playing backups. The defensive people are still like, let's get a, let's get a shutout. Let's go. Yeah. So, but you shut out. It's a big deal to like have a zero on the score at the end of the game. I would say it's a big deal, I guess this is the preseason, but it's, it's, it has some meaning to it. Yeah. Panther, so the Panthers played uh, some of most of their starters. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't play. Uh, Robbie Anderson didn't play, I don't think. Uh, DJ Moore played a little bit. <clears throat> um, so, you know, they, they kept out their big guys for the most part, but they played against all of the Bills' uh, second-string people to start the game, which I will say on paper when you read that, you're like, well, that's not really all that impressive. But I, from what I understand and from what I, I actually talked to a couple Bills fans as well, they're one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. They have a lot of depth, and, you know, they're probably going to win the Super Bowl, obviously. So maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't. But Baker Mayfield looked good. That first drive, he threw the ball three times. They were all in completions. But it's the preseason. You know, that's the time to throw the ball as much as you can and take shots, which is exactly what he did. I mean, there was that one beautiful throw to Chuba Hubbard that <laughs> threaded the needle through the defense, yeah. through the two defenders. Of course, Chuba Hubbard dropped it because that's what the meme is nowadays. But, you know. It was going to be a tough catch anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough catch with, like, defenders kind of unsighting you of the ball and, like, flying by and, uh, like, almost touching it or, like, and making you give, like, creating the expectation that it's going to get tipped. But, yeah, um, 
it's one of those times where you're surprised the ball actually hit you in the hands and then it's like, oh, so. If it means anything, by the way, the preseason Bills scored 42 points the week before. So, you know. God damn. That's just a a fuck ton of points in the preseason. Like, Yeah, there's all the first three quarters. They didn't score in the fourth quarter. Oh my god, 40 points in the fucking in three quarters, probably with rotating starters and stuff. Like that's impressive. That's really good. They averaged 9.1 yards per play. Play. 10.4 yards per pass and 7.7 yards per run. And let's just remember that that's... the staff that is <laughs> let's just re- remember that the staff that uh that gathered all that talent are former Panthers in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. So that if that 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 totally doesn't make me sad at all. No, not even a little bit. No, not even a little bit. Um, the offensive line looked pretty good, especially Iki Aquanu. It was really, it was really cool watching, listening to Steve Smith. Like he was like, "Oh, look, big man getting his big hands on the defender and stuff." Like Steve Smith's just a fanboy on the commentary table, and sometimes that can be really uh, cringe and hard to listen to. But Steve Smith did a good job of balancing it out. I think. He's better, I think, than he was in past years where he would get like a little bit too mean to like talking about people that weren't going to make the team or that right. weren't playing well. Where like, like, I feel like, like with Sam Darnold, he was making a couple little quips, but like the Steve Smith of years past would have been like kicking him out the door and like, like wiping the floor with him, like with insults. Right. And stuff. And this, year just, like, <laughs> this year was just like, this is why Baker Mayfield's better. And then he was like giving props to Sam Darnold for other things. So, yeah. He's he's dialed it back some. Yeah, that's always good. You don't want to bury your own players on, on commentary. Um, right. But yeah, I felt the offensive line looked okay. I I didn't like the pass de- the pass protection, but I also feel like it's part of it's just the fact that there's you know four new starters on the offensive line if you count uh, Brady Christensen starting at left guard because he really didn't do that much last year. Um. So it could just be the team taking taking some time to, I guess, gel, which is something that happens a lot with offensive linemen. One thing I really didn't like, and we talked about this a little bit pre-show, the pass rush was kind of like non-existent for the most part at times. Um, Right. But my, yeah, but my point of my like lack of concern on that is that for one, we're doing nothing. We did like no blitz packages or exotic looks or anything, which is a good way to manufacture pressure. And also, I especially with the earlier in the game and the guys that are kind of more assured of their spot on the roster, like I don't think they're going all out in the preseason. Yeah, I I think I agree with that with that standpoint. Um the dump truck Derek Brown, he he still looked pretty good in that game. He looked dominant. Um I got to say Frankie Louvu is legit, man. Like I really thought that maybe he was just kind of one of those shot in the dark like flash in the pan type players where he makes a few splash plays and then he's all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone's like, well, he should be playing more. And it's where like, you know, who was the one guy that we had on that, the undrafted free agent back in like 2015, that one defensive end where we got him from the bucks and all of a sudden he had a bunch of sacks for us, like randomly. Oh, um, I know you're talking about, I can't remember his name, but he had like four yeah. sacks in like the first Applegate or Apple something. Uh, you're, th- you're thinking of Antoine Applewhite, I think. Applewhite, yeah. Um, but I was thinking of, uh, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother pulling it up, but he, he had dreadlocks. I know that much. Um, but no, I mean, he, they, he's clearly becoming a leader for the defense and, uh, 
very, very already a very good run supporter. Um, seems like they can use him all over the field, which is what they really seem to covet in their off the ball people. Um, so yeah, props to Frankie Louvu for having a hell of a preseason. He also I mean, played like middle linebacker last week, didn't he? Yeah, they. His official position is outside linebacker, but I don't think that really matters in the Phil Snow defense. I think it's just the two best linebackers are going to be on the field somewhere. Yeah. So, so yeah, I really liked him. Um, J.C. Horn still looks as fucking amazing as advertised. Um, overall, I mean, the defense is going to be pretty good as long as the – I think that it really hinges on how well the offense – uh, starts the games off because if they can get a couple points on the board, the defense can is really built to <clears throat> play against teams that are going to be passing the ball ultimately. Yeah. So, so yeah, the game was good. It, it it was what it was. It was the Panthers trying out their guys and the Bills kind of just seeing what their depth looked like. It seems like the, the NFL isn't really uniform on how they handle the preseason right now where some of them like to get their starters in for the first couple games. Some like to get their starters in for the third game. So you end up with first teamers versus second and third teamers sometimes. So it just is what it is. But I kind of like that though. Oh, it, oh go, ahead. Uh, go ahead. I kind of like that though because it's like um, everybody, no one loses any hope or gets any optimism because there's always the like, well, it was just um, that it was just our backups or it was their backups and our starters or whatever. Like there's no one-to-one comparison. Also is Ryan Delaire, the one you're talking about. Yes. Ryan Delaire. That's it. He was the one who came in and just like had several sacks and they, everyone was like, Oh, he should get more playing time. Well, no, he wasn't very good. He just got lucky on some sacks. So he had, uh, yeah, he had yeah two sacks in his first game as a Panther. Yeah. And finished with, uh, a total of three and a half sacks in 17 games. The classic Ron Rivera special of having your insanely talented defensive line beat up on the offensive line, then put a fresh guy in who's pretty fast and he just beats him on a speed rush. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a solid strategy, I will say. So <laughs> it does work. It, it, it has merits. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's move on to uh, the 53 man roster and some cuts. So, for starters, uh, we found out today that the Panthers did manage to retain C.J. Saunders, who was the preseason hero, um, who took a lot of first-team snaps. Huge news. Well, I mean, honestly, it, it was kind of a big deal just because he, he did get a lot of snaps, and he and he got major props from J.C. Horn. Now, granted, there's pl- there, it's a dime a dozen with shifty little wide receivers in the slot, but still – good for him they there was a lot of anger over the guys that they that got cut but then a lot of them came back on the practice squad there weren't many players the Panthers cut that got claimed that's one of those things that it always makes me chuckle that we never learn like year over year that like every time like every year players get cut and people are like oh my god I can't believe we cut this person and then every year they get signed to the practice squad and then never Never do we learn that, like, oh yeah, they're probably going to come back for the practice squad. It just, it's just like a fresh uh, batch of anger every time yeah. we announce cuts. And I'm like, look at, like, looking at the list of wide receivers, like, I don't know who you cut instead of those guys. Well, Especially the main now guy that we traded for Chenault. Yeah, the main guy that people wanted to see gone was was uh, Chuba Hubbard. They were like, well, we should have let, we should have kept C.J. Saunders or um, the other white guy. I forget what his name was. Um, Derek Wright. Yeah, Derek Wright instead of Chuba Hubbard. It's like, well, Chuba Hubbard plays running back, and we need right. Those. Like, yeah, we'll just have eight wide receivers instead. 
like I know he didn't play super great in the preseason, and I know he he had a lot of functional a little a lot of issues with functional stability and balance against contact last year. But there's a reason why this coaching staff likes him so much. So I don't know. I mean, he's also, more talented than most running backs. Also, it's just kind of absurd to keep eight wide receivers on the roster. Like, yeah, we have it, seven. We already have seven, which granted, Lavishka Chenault will factor into that uh, into the running back room mm-hmm. there which good segue by the way scott fitterer is a dog when it comes to these trades i know sam darnold's trade is really looming over people still but overall i mean scott Tur- scott fitterer just makes some damn good trades he got lavisca chenault from the jaguars a former second round pick who's had sep- who's had some really really good uh production as a as a you know a second or third wide receiver for them and granted the Jaguars just flat out suck, so it, you never really know. But sounds like he's their Curtis Samuel replacement. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the 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 role he plays. Like he he didn't take a step forward in his second year. Like I think probably people wanted him to, but also like the Urban Meyer led Jaguars. Like you can't really hold that against anybody. So I mean, <laughs> it's it's he's a a physical like after the catch runner that plays out of the slot. And like you said, could play some running, like can play out of the backfield either as like a pass catcher or occasional ball carrier. So, and gave up like nothing to get him. So, yeah. I'm trying to find the trade details. Cause I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was basically nothing. I think it was that the Panthers gave up like a fifth round pick maybe mm-hmm. um, in 2023 or 2024. They got a seventh round pick back, <clears throat> but let me find the details real quick. But it's actually funny because I know um, twenty twenty three seventh round pick and a twenty twenty four sixth round pick. Yep. So, yep. It's okay. So yeah, it was anyway. But I know how much you hated Curtis Samuel when he was here. But um, <laughs> his his role in the offense was really interesting, and it's I know he deserved more money than what they were going to pay him. So him going to Washington made sense. But it's but. Having a guy who runs the ball a couple times a game and kind of takes a little bit of that, uh, that like Christian McCaffrey gadget type stuff off of his plate, uh, off of Mc- Christian McCaffrey's plate, really is good. And I think this is a really good trade for them if that's how they're going to use him. So overall, not upset about the trade, um, especially since all all the receive these those precious practice squad wide receivers that everybody wants to keep on the fifty three man roster, all of them pretty much came back. Um, then he flipped Dennis Daly, which was a real shock to who was it? The Dolphins, I think it was. Titans. Titans. That's who it was, and uh, they basically got back their pick, or they they basically I think they got back a sixth round pick, maybe a fifth, or a fifth, a fifth a, round. It was pick, in yeah. twenty four. It was twenty twenty four picks, so it wasn't even next year's draft. But yeah, twenty twenty four fifth, and we gave hey. up a twenty twenty four seventh, which is right. like giving up a second a seventh round pick more than a year away is just like essentially nothing. No, and, and Dennis Daly was for sure getting cut based on just looking at the roster that they have now. I mean, for whatever reason, Matt Rule has a love thing with, with Michael Jordan, um, but it seems like Cade Mays really made a bunch of people expendable because of the fact that he played center and guard, and he did he played pretty well at guard. So mm-hmm. the fact that he managed to get something out of anything with Daly was good because da- Daly is solid depth for a team that wants someone who can play multiple positions, So and the Titans needed that. I did. I did get the uh, unfortunate. Uh, I did have the inf- unfortunate task of telling my brother Dennis Daly actually sucks, so he wasn't. Uh, 
pleased about the trade after that. You mean he thought that uh, the player that we traded to get something out of a player that was going to get cut is actually not good? It was funny because I didn't know the trade happened um, because it was late at night. And uh, he texted me and goes, so how good is Dennis Daly? And I was like, that's a weird player, Panthers player to ask me about. And then I saw the trade and I was like, oh, oh, you poor souls. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's good for what he is in terms of being like an undrafted player that became, you know a piece or a seventh round pick maybe i can't remember but essentially yeah. a, a non-drafted player that became a rotational player but yeah i mean it's he's it's a dime a dozen type of player and you can get a pick for replacing that that's pretty cool yeah i mean he functioned fine at offensive tackle with a ton of tight end help so if you're yeah if you can sketch uh put your game plan around that you can theoretically shore up whatever side he has to play on because he's not going to start out of his own merit but so, yeah, that was pretty good. Then the Panthers cut a bunch of guys. No, nobody really surprising. Um, I did think it was interesting. Other than Brandon taking... Zilstra. Yeah, Zilstra was surprising, but I think that Shy but, Smith kind of made him expendable. But, but that's he's like in the same boat as like we just talked about of like, we're not going to keep eight wide receivers, and I don't know who you cut in favor of Zilstra on this right. team. Right. I mean, just looking at the, the group they have, I mean, they wanted to keep – they wanted the they wanted uh, – they wanted their kick returner, and then obviously they just traded for Lavisca Chenault. Like at some point, you got to find someone to cut. And yeah, I mean, I guess there's probably arguments about Rashard Higgins and Terrace Marshall Jr. But Rashard Higgins is much more established in the league, and then Terrace Marshall probably gets a chance to bounce back from like a very injury plagued rookie season. Well, he's a um, first round. He's a first round graded talent. Like really, right. really, really good as far as yeah, the measurables, the RAS score. Right, yeah, just well, you know, he's just been out of sight for pretty much since he was drafted. So I think everybody's kind of, or not everybody, but I feel like a lot of, it's easy to like get down on players when you don't see them, right? Especially if like if you set high expectations and they don't meet those expectations because they're not available, then it's just like, oh, never mind, that guy's bad. And we, it's almost it unfortunate because I feel like that happens a lot with second round players where they get the, <laughs> this guy should have been a first round talent tag, and then you expect them to be like a first round talent. It's like, right. oh, they, they fell to the second round for a reason. I mean, the same yeah. thing with Coney Ely. People are like, oh, first round talent. Well, he fell to the second round for a reason, and we saw it. He flashed sometimes, but overall, he wasn't a starting defensive end. He just wasn't. So that's why you wait and take someone in the second round there, because it's less of a blow to your franchise to burn a first round pick on them. So the only thing I found interesting about the defense was they retained five defensive tackles, though I think Marquand McCall kind of like plays defensive end a little bit too. He's a really big guy too, but so they only have four technical defensive ends, though I think Frankie Louva will end up factoring in on the edge as well. So well, Marquand McCall is actually listed as a defensive end. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because he's it, he's reason. tagged as a defensive tackle, but they have him on his on their roster as a defensive end. Might be an indicator that they plan to use him as like a three four defensive end. So yeah. So yeah. Honestly, I this was the one of the least eventful cut seasons to me, just from just based on experiences. Though losing our kicker really sucked. Yeah, I guess that's the last thing to touch on. Like, the Sam Donald injury is a thing, but I feel like he wasn't going to play, so it doesn't really affect the day-to-day at all. Losing Zing Gonzalez's stings. Eddie Pinheiro is hopefully going to be fine. He he didn't miss a field goal last year. He's one of those kickers where every other year his leg falls off. He's only and he gets injured. Years. I thought he was. Maybe I'm wrong. But I mean, maybe that's why, maybe that's why he's only played two years. I didn't look super deep. I know he played for the Bears, and he was not 
great, but not terrible. And then uh, last year he played for the Jets for the last half of the year when their right. kicker got hurt and didn't he missed an extra point, but he didn't miss a field goal. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, it, it, the Panthers were put in the shitty position. Oh, yeah, of, of, he didn't play in 2020. I missed that. So yeah. he played 2019, he played for the Bears, and was eh. And then 2021, he was back and played on the Jets and was pretty good, and now he's here. Yeah, it's one of those unfortunate situations. Like, you had to scrounge for the kickers nobody wanted. So I think they got the best guy that they could. We're going to see some variability there, so hopefully it's just the offense can score a little bit probably go for it on a fourth down more often than we would have expected. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the analytics tell us that's the best way to be anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> this, I think the Sam Darnold injury does suck, but it only sucks if something happens to Baker Mayfield in the first like four weeks of the season. Cause it seems like he's only going to be out four to six, four to six weeks. So. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it affects anything. So no. I mean, if Baker Mayfield gets hurt for an extended period of time, we're screwed anyway. So, right. you know. But moving on to week one, Baker's going to fuck up the Browns. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, speaking I have of it. that. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I have it in my head that the Browns are bad because they don't have Deshaun Watson. But then also, like, forget that they have the pieces to be, like, really good otherwise. Mm-hmm. So they still could be really good. And they just don't have their quarterback right now. So. No, I mean, and even then, Jacoby Brissett. He, I mean, he's won games in the NFL, so it's not yeah. like he. It's not like they have nothing there. Um, they also have like Miles Garrett. That's going to be not fun to watch. I, Miles I think Jadavian Clowney. They got yeah. like Benzel Ward and Greedy Williams as their defensive backs. Yep. Like uh, Nick Chubb. Offense, Nick Chubb and a strong offensive line. Like their wide receivers aren't any good, but. Yeah, I mean that's, that's they're they're just going to run the ball a lot, and they're built to do it. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> just one quick aside. Uh, there was a whole story that because Baker Mayfield allegedly told a sideline reporter in not in a non-interview setting <clears throat> that he was going to fuck up the Browns. Oh, <laughs> and eventually it came out that, that he didn't actually say that. For whatever reason, she just got ahead of herself on on the NFL around the NFL podcast and uh, said that that's what he said. When in reality, she was basically like being like, "Yeah, go fuck him up," you know. Yeah. So I thought that was really funny though that that Browns fans got all up in arms about it when it's like, "Well, you're you're trying to talk yourself into Deshaun Watson, so maybe don't say anything about that." Also, Thanks. like, what is he going to say as a competitor? Like, yeah, the team the team that drafted him and and that he's done a lot for towards bringing them back to relevance and then they're like they saw a shiny new toy that they wanted instead and they kicked him to the curb like what do you want him to be like of course he's gonna like have a grudge and want to beat them right it's the revenge game yeah it just is what it is you know like that's part of why like that's part of why there are several people in my area in pennsylvania that are going to be tuning into that game because they're like i want to see baker mayfield versus the browns right that's what we want to see is him go scorched earth. Yeah. There's a reason that this game was scheduled for week one. It's kind of funny how the last two years, somehow the NFL scheduled the former quarterbacks playing their former teams on the first week of the season for the Panthers. Yeah, it's such a crazy coincidence. It's almost like they're trying to squeeze squeeze storylines out of a team that really doesn't have them, aside from Christian McCaffrey. 
Yeah, I mean they do that all the time. Like it's 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 and then like and I mean they did that for week one, like uh Denver Seattle. That hu- yeah. that you know that uh regularly enticing matchup is the prime is the premier Monday night football game to start the season. Wonder why. That game is gonna suck too. The Broncos <laughs> are just story. yeah. The Broncos are just so good, and the Seahawks are just so bad. <laughs> like. Yeah, but that's the story. People are going to want to watch. People want to watch yep. Russell Wilson play against the Seahawks. Yep. And they're going to and beat them like 28 to 6. <laughs> I feel like that's generous, honestly. <laughs> I think I think Russell's putting up at least 35. You never know. It's the first week of the season. They got iron. That is true. It, always, it is always ugly the first week of the season. Like there was that one year in 2015, you know. That, that year that we don't like to talk about where uh, the Panthers played the Jaguars and uh, – it was a close game. Yeah, we like needed a pick six to seal the game. Yeah, and, and then we ended up being like the best team in recent history. So yeah, yeah. So, but overall, I mean, the Browns game looks like it's going to be. I think it's just going to end up being ugly. Um, I think the fact I think the offensive line being what it is is going to have a little bit of a struggle, and I think that Miles Garrett's going to just eat. Icky's lunch, and people are going to wonder why why he drafted him sixth overall. <laughs> and that's and we're going to be sitting here next week or the week after, just telling you guys like, "Hey, relax. It's the first game. This is the first game Icky ever had to face someone. He had to face Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive ends in the league. Let's all relax. As long as Baker Mayfield doesn't get hurt, that's all I care about. Yeah, I, I think I think the game like. On paper, it looks like it's going to be low scoring and it's going to be ugly, like you said. It's it's the first week of the season. There's always stuff to iron out. I guess on, that does kind of play, I guess, into the offense's hands sometimes and that there can be some disorganization on defense to allow for big plays to pop off. But I feel like both teams have strength on the defensive line. And then, you know, where the Browns have some, like, might have some advantages in terms of, well, I don't even know. They're, they're pretty similarly constructed teams, I guess, right? Like they are, they have a star running back and then like a one like very good, but like tier two quality receiver with some like depth backups that aren't like superstars. And then defense is like built around the ability to get pressure. And then the secondaries with like no attention paid to the linebackers. Right. Um, and then obviously like, and since they're starting Jacoby Brissett. I don't expect him to be like an offensive juggernaut with Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback, even if he can kind of keep the ship steady. And so I just, I feel like both teams defenses are going to overmatch or outmatch the other team's offenses and kind of make this just like a slug fest, I guess, especially because both teams are probably going to lean on their running backs. Yeah. It's going to be one of those games where it's going to be determined by two or three plays, mm-hmm. I think. And I, I got, I got to say, I mean, as far as having a quarterback goes, Baker Mayfield is someone that where I could see him making those two or three plays. Like he doesn't, obviously he had a bad rap from 2021, but he's the guy that makes that does make big plays when it matters. So, and he's going to take shots down the field and they won't look like ducks, like Sam Darnold throws. So I I wonder how Baker's going to like how his competitive edge will kind of tilt the scales in this game. Because, it's one of those things because he's—he seems like one of those guys that's like hyper competitive. I mean, most professional athletes are, but he's got that chip on his shoulder and stuff. And a lot of times, 
people use that to motivate them and they get locked in and they can play really well. But I feel like there's a point, and I don't know if Baker will fall into this, but you get like too hyped up, right? And you start trying too hard and you have too much to prove and it it hurts you. And I wonder if, I feel like Baker is going to be kind of, he seems like the type to kind of dance around that line, right? Like he's going to want to prove himself and do too much or press a little bit and then kind of like hold the team down a little bit or hold or hinder his performance of that where he needs to probably like be focused and like be motivated to beat his old team, but maybe not like try to completely like shove their, shove their noses in it. You know what I mean? Well, if you remember too, I think it's similar to the Cam Newton thing where Cam, when Cam came into the league, he had to be absolutely perfect for the Panthers to win games. Um, the nice thing for Baker, and I think Cam and Baker are similar, uh, have similar personalities in that regard, where they kind of dance around that line. But the nice thing about this situation for Baker is he's not in a situation where he actually has to be perfect to win. Right. So I think they, I think they have the room for the mistakes, and you know, there will be mistakes. I'm sure he's going to throw a pick or two, but then you'll have the dump offs to Christian McCaffrey that get you 15 yards, and it's like, okay, confidence is back, offense is rolling again. So. I'm just excited to see Baker out there for a full game. I really like yeah. watching him play. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the season. I don't I don't know if it's if it's something about like if it's just a me thing and me just having more excitement for the sport in general, but I'm more excited for this Panther season than I have been in a couple of years. Yeah, it's easier to be excited for this season partly because they have like a proven commodity quarterback. Like I know there was this narrative that he and Sam Darnold were like mediocre quarterbacks. No, I mean Baker. Baker is a Baker is definitely a winner, at least that we've seen. Um, yeah, I think it, it feels like, at least nationally and maybe somewhat locally too, but it kind of got spun into like a which of these disappointing 2018 quarterbacks is going to win the job. And it's like Baker's been worlds better than Sam Darnold to this point. Oh, it's actually funny. I. <laughs> People, people around here, because now, now that the Panthers, like the Panthers, really the only person that people that were non-Panthers fans really cared about was Christian McCaffrey. So all the only questions I ever got was, would you take him first overall in fantasy? Um, where Baker, people around here, are like, wow, he won the quarterback competition. That's awesome. What do you think of Baker? I'm like, well, they were pretending to have a quarterback competition. Like, let's be real here. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was actually at the barbershop today, and uh, someone was like. And Sam getting hurt really made their decision easy. It's like the decision was easy before Sam got hurt. Yeah. I think really what it came down to was they felt they owed it to Sam Darnold to give him a chance to prove that he was better than he is. Because you spent the, you spent the draft capital, so you might as well let him try to win the job. Like, if he proves right, you're wrong, you're you're missing a late-round draft pick and $5 million. Ultimately, they ultimately – you know, $5 million down the drain sucks, but that's a Tory Smith on the roster. <laughs> that was a big deal at the time, though, man. Easy it was day. a big deal to me. <laughs> telling people that it wasn't a big deal. Right. Because um, <laughs> it was a big deal. That 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 2% of the salary cap. Um, yep. But yeah, it, it, was never, it was never a competition. It was, it, it was, I mean, it's like every coach says there's competitions for every position unless they have like bona fide superstars there because like why would you not say that right and like why would you also box yourself in in case like you said 
like maybe Sam Darnold, something clicks and he ends up being really, really good, why would you be like, well, it's a shame we already decided that you're you're not going to have a job here. Yeah, I mean, the measurables on Sam Darnold, like, were much better than Baker's as well. Like, he has got a stronger arm. He's a, he's a better athlete. So if he somehow figured it out, he would be a better player than Baker Mayfield. He just would. Yeah. At least on paper anyway. I mean, I know there's the mental and, and there's the mental, there's the intangible aspect of it. But just from pure logical standpoint, if somehow Sam Darnold suddenly figured out how to be a quarterback in the NFL, he would be a better quarterback than Baker. Just objective. I know. I know what you mean. Like the physical tools provide a higher seal. Exactly. So, but to circle back to what I was saying, like I mean, I I guess I was probably excited for like the Matt Rule era when it started, but also you know, Teddy Bridgewater being the starting quarterback after we got rid of Cam Newton really. Oh yeah. Drags down the <laughs> drags down the fan morale, and then following up the Teddy Bridgewater, like just such a boring season with Sam Darnold just being like, well, this is just another, a different kind of boring. And so like Baker Mayfield at least provides some hope that maybe this one will be a little less boring, I guess. I don't know. And also I feel like we're starting to return to this. Like we're starting to get names again or like fan favorites again, because there's that exodus of the, the names that everybody, like all the fan favorites, right. With like Cam being gone and Olsen and Keekly and Khalil and, Davis. And everybody like, yeah, Thomas Davis, all that, like that exodus of fan favorites. It was just like, who do we even root for anymore other than Christian McCaffrey? Right. And now I feel like Brian Burns is establishing himself as like a fan favorite. DJ Moore has been good enough for long enough that people like him and he's got a good personality. And we're kind of like, there's like players to root for on the team besides. And Shaq's also kind of establishing himself too. But there's like players to root for again, as opposed to just being like, well, it's the Panthers, I guess, even though I don't know anybody on the team. Yeah, I mean, Frankie Louvu's really good, and he's someone to root for as well, because if he actually turns out to be, like, even on the level of Shaq Thompson, that's a giant win for this franchise. Um, J.C. Horn's finally getting national, is getting national attention as, like, the the breakout star of the defense. Um, obviously, Jeremy Chin's kind of showing himself to be one of the better defensive players in the league. Yeah. So, yeah, we're kind of like, we're, 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 we're building up what is hopefully another, like, stable of like household names, at least in, in like the team market. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel and like, I, cause I feel like I said, like, I feel like if you were to ask people in like 20, even like 2016, 2017, like that didn't follow the team closely. They would knew, they would have known like a dozen players on the team just from like their tenure and their kind of media. Multiple presence Pro and Bowls. Yeah. Right. And then if you did that last year, it's like, who do you know on the Panthers? And it's like the quarterback, and Christian McCaffrey. And it's like, I don't know, what's that guy's name? Like, the Spider-Man dude, Burns? Yeah. So, that guy who gets who gets that one sack every a game where he, like, bl- blows by and hits the quarterback, and the fan's like, who the hell was that guy? And then that's it. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited. Um, hopefully it stays and maintains, and uh, if it doesn't, I have a feeling that we're starting all over next season anyway. But, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Put up, shut up, put up or shut up here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of those things, they were they they quietly flew under the radar for the last couple of years as being a little more competitive than people thought, but then they were also shit at times, too. The so, Panthers? Yeah. Well, the Panthers, I think they did this thing where they kind of, like, and I, Baker Mayfield's not, like, 
the perfect answer, but they've kind of like quietly assembled a pretty strong and like pretty deep roster with just no quarterback play. And the lack of quarterback play made the rest of the roster look worse. Yeah, that and the offensive line not being an issue, yeah, which that's true. That was a carryover from the Marty Herney era, if we're being real here. Um, yeah, but the offensive line looks like like there's not a position on the team right now that I think you could look at and be like a definitive weakness. Not that there's anything that's like standout or like elite level really either, other than running back. But there's a yeah. chance that people take that step to make those positions get there. Yeah, I mean, tight end is the one position where it's like that could be a weakness, but at the same time, tight ends, it really depends on what kind of offense you're running. If you're running an offense where you're, where one of your number one receivers should be a tight end, then yes, it's a problem. If you're running an offense where most of them are blocking and they're only supposed to catch maybe a pass or two a game, maybe three, then you're you're probably okay. Right. It's so, a, it, yeah, I guess you, you could call that position a weakness, but tight end's also like a position that you can hide the weakness by just not using it. And to an extent, right? Yeah, I mean they're 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 going to block a lot. Really, is why yeah. really is what it is. Um, I mean, it's like it's like it's like having like our weaknesses. We don't have like good linebackers. It's like well, you could just like play nickel defense or like at play like a Buffalo nickel style defense and just kind of like not have linebackers and you'll be fine. So exactly, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> so before we get into the scoring predictions for the Browns, I just want to say since we're kind of wrapping up the off season here. Give me like your one player that you're really watching and maybe under the radar type type player that you're really excited to see. Hmm. Do you have one while I, I do have I one, yes. Give my put some thought into it. Yeah. Mine is Miles Hartsfield. That's a good pick. Because he had his best game of the season last year against the Buccaneers in the very last game. And he's there. He's almost like their uh, Chauncey Gardner, Chauncey Gardner Johnson in a way, where he plays safety, nickelback, really wherever they need him to play. And I think he, I know that they're talking about J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson, Dante Jackson, but I think Hartsfield will get a lot more snaps than people realize. And that guy's built like a truck for the size of what he is. Um, yeah, he played running back some too. Yeah, like I think that he could be like the dark horse. Oh shit, who the hell is this guy? Type player. He had some. Um, he had some good moments in the preseason too yeah i mean it's very rare where a defensive back gets a sack on tom brady he did that last year so <laughs> that's my guy i'm really excited to see what they do with him because he let's be real there are going to be injuries like there's going to be a, mm-hmm. there's going to be a cornerback that's going to go down at some point one of their safeties will probably go down that's where miles hartsfield slots and it's just wherever the fuck they need him and i'm excited to see it Think- still thinking oh well, no, I'm, I'm just trying to. I'm just kind of like seeing. I I think the the name we already talked about him a lot, but if I had to pick one, I think it, it would be Frankie Luvu just because of the versatility he has and how he just continually makes plays, kind of seemingly out of nowhere. Right. Um. I think he'll. I, I think he can like submit himself as a like long term piece for this team. Like I think he like they let Hassan Reddick walk and made like no effort to retain him, and I think they're hopes for Luvu along with other, you know, I think Luvu is a big part of that. I know he yeah. plays linebacker, but he also rushes the pass. Like he can rush the passer. He can cover, he can tackle in the open field. Like I think he's kind of got this path to stardom in a sense. And then offensively, I think 
in limited minute, like in limited snaps, and hopefully, and hopefully they stay limited. I think Deontay Foreman will be really good. Oh, he would have been my pick too. Yeah. Um, as far as the Frankie Louvu thing goes, there was uh, some film last year that I saw on Twitter, like a little film breakdown where he was playing against the Saints and he was destroying them in run in run defense. Like, yeah. not like not like getting the running back, but he was just like blowing up all their blocking concepts. And yeah. that's a very valuable thing, and that's something where I think that's part of why they let um, Hassan Reddick walk because Hassan Reddick was more of a pass rush specialist, and I think that was part of why teams ran the ball down their fucking throats last year was because. Brian Burns, more of a pass rush specialist. Hassan Reddick on the other side, more of a pass rush specialist. So you really don't have a guy who's really good at setting the edge, where I think that Luvu's more more high-end in the running situation, and he's kind of like learning as a pass rusher. But, I mean, when you get a guy who just makes plays out of nowhere, no matter where you put him, it's he's a good guy to play. And I think that's right. another – that's a testament to this coaching staff that they found someone, which is what they've been trying to do. It's clear in their draft strategies. They try to find – the gems where they have the high end athleticism and they try to like coach it into them to be good players. And I think they found it in him. Granted, they signed him from the jets where he played there. So it wasn't <laughs> like, it wasn't like they drafted him, but they, they got him cheap last year, realized he was worth it, gave him a nice extension. And yeah, I agree. I think Frankie Louvu could be, could end up being the MVP of this defense. He's got the thing where you can like play him as a, as like a strong side linebacker, or weak side linebacker in like base sets or like for early downs and then put his hand in the ground and he can rush the passer in third down, like third long situations, mm-hmm. which is not a common trait to be able to have, but he showed that he could do it last year and in the preseason. I think he's, he's, he's got that. He's, it's like the Jeremy chin of the front seven where Jeremy chins, like this hybrid linebacker safety. And then he, we have lose like this hybrid linebacker end position. Right. right yeah. And that allows Will <clears throat> snow to be creative and, makes it difficult to game plan against. And as much as people hate on Matt rule and, you know, at, at many times rightfully so, but I think the future of the NFL is going to be these multiple type players. I mean, you saw it with, um, and miles uh, Hartsfield's another one too, that you were just talking about a minute ago. Yeah. Miles Hartsfield. Uh, I just had the name and I lost it, but, um, Oh, um, the guy from the Cowboys. The guy from the Cowboys. The, the line oh, Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, like he, like he's showing that. Like, you know, he played defensive end, linebacker, safety last year. One of the best players in the league in his rookie year. You know, it, I think that that's where the NFL is going, and I think that they're kind of ahead of the curve in that regard. The only problem it, it, is that – sorry. Kind of like the NBA's transition to, like, positionless basketball, where you get – instead of having, like – a six foot tall point guard and a six foot four shooting guard and a six point six foot six small forward all the way up. You just like get a bunch of players that could all do everything. And it's just like, man, this is a lot harder to like game plan around or to like stop because right. there's no one weapon or one like avenue of attack. And that's so like, and like Frankie Louvu would be, is like this like super generic off brand Micah Parsons type player. Yep. That's like I think that, like you said, I think that's definitely the the way teams are going to be going because it it allows you to be multiple in the way you uh, attack things and scheme things. You don't have to like you're not narrowed out. It's like oh yeah, like this guy's six foot three and two hundred and eighty pounds, but he runs like a four eight forty. So all he can do is put it is like play defensive end. He's not big enough to play defensive tackle. He's not fast enough to play linebacker. So he has one thing he does, and you have players that fit in these little boxes everywhere. I think teams are going to find a lot more success 
being able to like use the same person. I mean, people are doing it on offense too, but like use the same personnel to show a bunch of different fronts and different looks and stuff like that. Yeah. And the only downside to the way the defense is structured now is that when you face a more, what I'd call traditional offense where they are big on running the football, they might get beat up a little bit, but I mean, we saw it with Bill Belichick for many years. And of course I'm drawing the Matt rule, Bill Belichick comparison again. I mean, it's, our last podcast. if it's so, it's so apparent, how could you not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Belichick was doing that for years where he was, uh, his defense was very, was very game plan dependent. Not as much like, Oh, well, we're going to do this. We're going to stop the run. We're going to, we're going to do this and that, you know, like we're, we're going to have a seven man box and make them throw the ball. It's like, no, we have a defense where we can kind of play against their strengths and kind of dictate the game plan around that. So, right. And having a damn good secondary like they do now is going to be helpful as well for that front seven. Cause the, Front seven's not perfect. This isn't an elite group for by any means, but the fact that they have what's probably a shutdown corner in J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson as the speedster, and C.J. Henderson, who's another big guy who can probably press. If he's if all these stories I'm hearing about how he was one of the best players in their training camp get, are true, that makes plan, game planning for your front seven a lot easier. So... If you want to continue to draw the uh, Bill Belichick parallels, I think the Patriots a few years ago proved how you can build a really, really good defense just around having a shutdown secondary. Yep. Because it's like yeah, they they got run on, but like like I've talked about a lot, it's very as long as your run defense is just good enough to where they teams can't only run on you and they have to throw in situations. If you can shut, if you can take away the passing situations, like that's how you stop teams from scoring yep. is you stop easy. If you, all you need to do is get like enough first down stops to put teams in second and third and long against the run. And then that's when you let the passing defense go to work. Yep. Like one good rep from Brian Burns after maybe a couple first downs and you get one good rep from Brian Burns, get a tackle for a loss that changes the drive. Right. And then now all of a sudden they got a team in like second and 12 and they got to throw it at least. And then even if they pick up four or five yards on the next carry they they got to throw on third and eight. And then now you got your shutdown corners and your pass rushers that can take over the game. Yep. So exactly. That's I think that's where I think that's what the intent is, and we'll see if they can pull it off. And if they can't, they're all fired. So it's fine. <laughs> right. Every every win is a step towards greatness, and every loss is a step towards a new coaching staff. Yep. It's a win-win. <laughs> always, always something to root for. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, why don't we get into our, uh, scoring predictions? Uh, I'll go first just so you get some time. Um, yeah. I, even though I really want to say that it'll be Baker throwing like five touchdowns and fucking them up, I, I think we'll end up getting like a, like a weird score, like a 17 to like nine or something like that. Yeah. I was pretty close to that, but a little bit higher. I was going to be like, I was going to say, and did you say in favor of the Panthers, right? Uh, yeah. Pan- I, I, we're still going optimist this season to start at least. Even though, even though my meme is usually to pick against the Panthers, m- most of the time, my the whole reason I do that is once I've just completely lost faith in them. Um, when they <laughs> right. when they lose when they lose to teams like the Giants and the Eagles, like the Eagles game last year, where they absolutely should have fucking won that game. That's when I'm like, okay, I'm picking against them every week. Now, <laughs> I'll give them the benefit here. It's a plus matchup for them because they're playing against Jacoby Brissett and a not so good wide receiver core. So yeah. 17-9 Panthers. 
I'll go 23-17 to 17 Panthers. Which, knowing our luck, that'll mean that Chick- Nick Chubb oh. will, will score three times. And, we'll and, and we have to have our third participant. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> explain that. Did, did we explain that to our listeners last time or no? Uh, I, I think it was on the show, but I'm just going to put like a yeah, random I think it was. generator from yeah. 1 to 35 to keep the scores like relatively in, in check. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, you know, let's let's do a thing. We're gonna on a whim. We're gonna keep track this year and see who does the best, just because it's, it, it's more fun with the random number generator in here. But yeah, it, just, just to strictly add, based on wins or uh, yeah, uh, we'll do like I think we'll do whoever gets the closest to the final scores being right, like on average. I'll figure out a way to calculate it, but like if I say I'll just, twenty, I'll just keep, I'll just log the final scores in my phone real quick, so. Ryan. I have something right here. Oh, okay, well that's fine too. You never know. Maybe whatever you're using breaks, and then we need we need some Google sheet. They never break. Anyway, random number generator is going to pick scores. We're going to do Panther score and then opponent score. Uh, it's just a Google random number generator. All right, the Panthers. It's uh, start with zero just in case you get shot. All right, Panthers. We are going to do thirteen. Uh. <laughs> And Browns is not looking good to start. 26. Shit. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious when at the end of the year, the number random number generator is almost ev- top correct every single time. What did you say? Uh, I said it's going to be really hilarious at the end of the year. When, no, no, uh, no, sorry, you score, sorry. Oh. Yeah, I had 17 to 9. I don't remember what yours was. What was yours? 317. 2317. Okay. And RNG was 26. Okay. Okay. Nope, yeah, not, um... not Brian's Browns. There we go. <laughs> okay. I'm uh I'm excited to see how this goes. We're gonna get to like week eight. And so yeah, so the random number generator has been within like five points every time, and it's just like Football's not real. This is a dumb sport. <laughs> yeah. It is. All right. Uh, well, I believe that's all we have. Anything else yep. that you had, John? Nope. Uh, just, I guess, this is the, like, as you probably figured out, this is the week one preview. Um, because you're going to be out of town the whole week leading up to the round. Yes. Yes. I will oh. be out of town and I may not be able to get on. So we're just doing it now. Mm hmm. So just just listen to this like over and over again yes. in the lead up until week one to get yourself. When the Panthers ready. suffer a catastrophic injury in practice next week, uh, you can come back and listen to this and try to feel optimistic. So until we get to the part where the random number generator says the Panthers are going to lose by two touchdowns. Yes, just bleep that out of your memory. <laughs> just skip so, that part. Yeah. But anyway, from all of us here at the seat at the Keep Sounding podcast, this is Brian joined by John as always. Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon.